What's up, guys? We're previewing Nets. Pacers today should be a good one. Two teams on a three-game losing streak. Kind of must-wins for two top-of-the-East teams. It's going to be a fun one. Matt Brooks from SB Nation's Nets site joined me. Uh, before we get going, let's talk about CBDMD. Whether you're a pro athlete, exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most and to make it even easier to try Freeze, Recover, and any other CBDMD product. You can take 25% off your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout, cbdmd.com, promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Go check them out. Let's talk Pacers Nets. Let's go. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday. Happy game day, everybody. Welcome in. To another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, the Pacers take on the Nets, a team that absolutely no one is talking about or covering this year. So I can uh, learn more about the Nets and joining me to do that and actually covering this team that apparently no one is talking about. Uh, Matt Brooks from Nets Daily, the SB Nation Nets site. Matt Brooks, NBA on Twitter. Matt, how's it going, man? I'm good. It's so weird to uh, to have you know more than than just me talking about the Nets. You know, <laughs> hate to burst the bubble here. There are some people talking about the Nets this year. It's really weird. It's, I'm never going to get used to it. But thank you for uh, inviting me, and I'm excited to talk about this exciting matchup this week that we have. Yeah, it would have been a little bit more fun if the Pacers didn't totally trip over their own feet for the last five or six days and had a winning record close to they were ahead of the Nets until like a week ago and then they just have free fallen out of it. Hey, I gotta tell you, early on, like in terms of other teams that I'm watching, the Pacers were like they were in it. I was like, this team is fun to watch, you know? So um, so I mean I'm excited nonetheless to get into this. Yeah, it should be a good game. Uh, the bummer part of it for me is I always, everybody likes seeing two teams fully healthy playing each other. Obviously, the Pacers aren't there, but Kevin Durant, for those unaware, uh, will be out for this game. He is in contact tracing protocols for six days, five days. doesn't matter how many days. He's out till Friday, so out through yep. the game. Uh, and the other factor I have to point out now is we're recording Monday night. The Nets play Tuesday night, so there's a chance someone else gets hurt in that game. So if we talk about someone who's hurt, that's why. Anyway... Unfortunately, no Kevin Durant, but they still have James Harden, Kyrie Irving. The Pacers did play against Harden earlier this year with the Rockets, and they were able to beat him. But that's where I want to start because it's a totally different James Harden, right? He is a, he is not playing the same as he did in Houston earlier this year. Uh, it's not like a – I don't want to call him a, any one, two, three banana, whatever he is, because, you know, you said, like, KD's in the Chris Bosh role, but, like, that's crazy. You know, that, that's crazy. Hey, I took some heat for that take. <laughs> no, but, but because people think – all right, we're, we're not talking about the Nets at all yet. We're talking about Twitter right now, but – he, Matt tweeted. It's part of it's part of this though, isn't that 2020, 2021 is is getting roped into something Twitter related? <laughs> <laughs> Matt tweeted that KD is the Chris Bosh of the Nets, and everybody took it as like well, the option. But I think what you meant, and I agree, is no. I said the qualifier of that he's the best player on the team, and yes. he's their Bosh, which is all the more impressive. Yeah, they just what you mean <laughs> is they don't call plays for him, right? Yeah, you don't have to. He's the most unselfish incredible he's a top 10 player ever so don't take it as like i don't think he's a great player he succeeded in terms of being like a tertiary role like he is making plays in transition he's making plays off offensive rebounds 
and he's putting up 30. He's putting up his most efficient season that we've seen since, you know, what, like 2017 in Golden State. I mean, it's insane. The guy is insane. (laughs) I think he's the best player in the league. Uh, even this I year, agree. I thought he was pre-injury too, so I'm glad he's even better, which just makes n- no sense. But I wanted to start with Harden because of the trade and because the Pacers saw him earlier. So much to the chagrin of Rockets fans, he is more engaged on a new team. He got what he wanted, whatever. I don't care about that. What I care about is what is he doing differently now that he's on a new team with other guys? And does he look – how much better does he look than he did with the Rockets this year? So I've been impressed um... – with a couple of things. I mean, there's the the playmaking, which has taken a little bit of a jump. I do feel like he's a little bit less of a ball stopper. Like if a play break down, you know, if it breaks down and it's just him and it's an advantageous matchup, he's going to get into the step back, which is fine. Um, I've been impressed by how much it feels like Brooklyn sets don't revolve around that. So they'll run a little bit of, I don't know, what do you want to, a pistol action or a post split where KD's in the post and two guys are running off one another. And Harden's one of those players. He's not standing to the side. He's not out of the play altogether. He's involved in the play. Other thing I've been impressed with is when he's on his own next to a bunch of bench guys, so you got TLC, uh, Landry Shamit, guys like that who are not really going to be creating shots. He's still playing a certain way, even though it's just him. He's sitting there and he's saying, I'm going to make sure these guys are involved and we're playing a winning brand of basketball. And I'm just, it's been impressive for me. And I just, I don't know. It stood out to me this entire year that he's clearly focused on being, you know, just playing a brand of basketball that he's committed to since he's come here. This is bad research for me. I don't know who leads the NBA in assists, but what I what I say that to say, I'm on Harden's basketball reference page, and he's averaging a career high in assists. Right, he's clearly giving it up, like you say, a lot, but he's not leading the league in assists. That's kind of crazy because the two years he was over 11 before this, he did lead the league. Anyway, I've no, got a few crazy this year. They are yeah. crazy this year. <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> They're just crazy. I've got a few Nets games since the Harden trade. Unfortunately, the first two were those Cavs games, which I'm sure Nets fans hate talking about. But uh, it, it's been fun to see Harden get integrated in a new team and not be, you know, the Rockets style worked. Like they were obviously amazing and almost made a finals twice with with the Harden style. But the Nets three-headed dragon style, and they're kind of sharing it well. Like me, all their usages are, are pretty similar on this team. Like it, it's so fascinating to see Harden play like this and, and not not be the guy he used to be. Not that it's like so different. You know, he still has the same bag of tricks and stuff like that. But my personal observation, just seeing him play differently, is, is, has been very fun. Like twenty four points per game is a ton, and I'm like, wow, James Harden's not scoring that much. <laughs> it's it's very strange. Yeah, it, it it doesn't really feel like that as much. Like in a weird way, because he still has the ball in his hands so much. Right. It just feels like he's picking his spots a little bit better, and I think it it asks the like always interesting question of like usage versus like, I mean, like usage is such like an overarching type of thing, but it it gets into the question of like usage versus how you're using your usage. It's, it's been, it's been a really fantastic experiment when these guys first got together. That was the biggest thing I was interested in. I I, like, if they win together, fine, that's fine. I want to know how they're going to win together. And I think that it puts so much of what we know about the league in a completely different construct in a lot of ways where it pressures a lot of the things that we know about big threes that we know about how a team is built. You know, you usually have one guy that's on the outside who's, you know, I mean, look like the Chris Bosch role 
or, or whatever you want to pick. And they have challenged all those things early on. And when they've been on the floor, they've been really good. They've been really good. And I just, I don't know. It's, you know, if, if you're going to put a bunch of superstars together, I actually am really happy. It's this way where it's like, this is kind of a team I've never really seen before. The other exciting thing the Nets did is they added a fourth superstar. IU basketball legend Noah Vonley joined the team today. I am hey, very hey, I, I'm excited. <laughs> I went to IU. I love Noah Vonley. I'm pumped. The Nets I, have now signed too. two of the three best players from that 2013-14 IU team, Yogi Ferrell in the past on a not so good Nets team. So they need to, to sign Troy Williams in the near future, and then I will be <laughs> thrilled with uh, the Nets transactions. But all right, we gotta we gotta keep running through the stars. We kind of did KD, but he's not playing. I don't want to sit too much on him. I'm going to Kyrie now. My first comment on him is the game that everybody watched in the entire NBA sphere, Clippers-Nets, amazing game. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, all play. And Kyrie is clearly the best player in that game. Like, dominated that game. He was incredible. I think he had 38, 39, a lot. He was amazing. And that just, you know, if you asked me before the game, I would have picked him as the fifth best player of those five guys. So seeing him take over and be able to still like run an offense with Kevin Durant and James Harden, and obviously they have other talented players, but has been really impressive to me and dominating a game in that way is impressive to me. And look, he, one of Kyrie's best skills, his whole career is he's really good at playing with stars, right? That, that was his big thing with LeBron. He's doing great with it, with the Nets. And I think he's having a resurgent season this year with the Nets, like probably his best uh, since he was with the Cavs. So uh, what have you seen from Kyrie? How is he able to lead this team? And now that he's back and playing, uh, do you think he can be like that guy all the time? Well, you can't run a scheme against him. No, you cannot. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, I, it's something about watching him where it's like you throw a zone, he's going to score on that. Um, he's such a good ball handler. If you, if you zone, he's going to snake into the middle of the paint, make a, you know, whatever, a mid range pull up. Uh, if, if you, if you, if you trap, he's going to give it up get it back on a handoff. He's going to make some ridiculous shot. Um, if you're running a drop coverage, I mean, please don't run a drop coverage against Kyrie Irving, but if you want to do that, he's going to hurt that. Everything you run at him, he's going to create something. And I think this year, the biggest thing of him playing next to other great players is not that he needs the load of, you know, whatever, of, of having to to be a great player. Like it's, it's not the greatness that he struggles with. I think it's the leadership aspect of it. And it's just the thing of him just be, getting to be himself score and just be a bucket getter, just keep the role simple for him seems to be so huge. Yeah. Like there are so many things that Durant has done, you know, done really, really well this year. I think paramount is going to be creating a hierarchy of how things have worked in terms of me and Kyrie and Harden and everybody are really going to be involved in this team, but he's kind of spearheading a lot of that. And I think that's worked really well for Kyrie Irving, who just gets to go out there and play basketball and do what he likes. That's all he talks about is I want to play basketball. I just want to focus on that. And he's clearly doing that right now. And he is very good. I mean, we all forget because there's, and I've done it a million times. I've done it multiple times in the two years that he's been here, or however long he's been here. Um, time is pretty, you know, relevant at this point. But, you know, <laughs> right. I, this guy is like, he's been here for two years and sometimes he's on the court. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes he's injured. And we forget that when he's on, that guy is way, way up there in terms of how easy it is for him to create his own shot. He's just been amazing this year. 
Quick little break from all this Nets Pacers talk to talk about one of the sponsors of this show, 1010. You may have read about them in Forbes, Style Magazine, New York Times, and we're going to talk to you about it here on Locked On Pacers. 1010, an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today with diamonds reasonably sourced from Botswana, responsibly sourced from Botswana even. 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're all available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. We all know the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's beautifully been re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you are ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day. Coming up this weekend, you're definitely going to want to check it out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. He's, he's very interesting in that way. Uh, against the Pacers, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about drop cover. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago when he was on the Celtics, so maybe a little bit of irrelevance. But actually a lot of what I'm about to say is irrelevant, but we'll get to this game. Two years ago when he was with the Celtics, the Pacers had Dan Burke uh, as one of their assistants. Great defensive mind. Drop coverage all the time. Miles Turner is probably one of the three best centers at that in the NBA. And by that, I mean definitely one of the three best centers at that in the NBA. Yep. Terry really struggled that year against the Pacers, less than 20 points per game. In the playoffs, he was asked about Miles Turner. He's like, dude, that guy makes me pass all the time. Like, he's really hard to score on. Last year, Kyrie only plays one game against the Pacers, has 28 points. And in my head, I was like, oh, I didn't play that well. You know, the, I think the Pacers won in Brooklyn twice last year. Uh, and Ky- But Kyrie obviously didn't play in one of those. But in my head, he, he didn't play that well. Turner had an okay game. But that doesn't matter how I feel. His stats are amazing. But all that to say, Turner's done a pretty good job with Kyrie in the past. Yep. But they don't have Dan Burke anymore. They don't do as much drop coverage. They're all aggressive. Get the ball out of the ball handler's hands. Make passes. Make the team make mistakes. And that is a really scary proposition against a team with Kyrie at this level and James Harden. So I'm very curious how Turner, who has been fantastic this year, amazing at recoveries, getting to the ball when it's swinging around and blocking shots and deterring shots in the same way he has in the past, can do against the scrambling Nets team, if they're even scrambling, right? Like they have two stars, they're going to be composed. Joe Harris sh- stretches everything out. But I think Turner can do something to Kyrie's brain, but then there's also Harden and Joe Harris. So I'm very curious how that's going to shake out because in the past, it's actually gone okay for the Pacers. But this is a totally different Nets team. It is. I mean, you're taking, you know, the Garrett Temple and you're moving it to James Harden. It's like the weirdest thing <laughs> this year. And like, I, I yeah, that sounds like, you know, like an, an ego, whatever, a boast or something like that. But it's really weird. I, I asked Nick Nurse about this the other day, you know, just being like, hey, like, what do you do about this spacing? Because they're always putting one of Kyrie, KD, or or Joe Harris on both of the corners. And yeah. then, you know, you're putting that other shooter on the, the weak side wing. And I just don't really, I don't know how you help against this team. And I, and that's kind of why, like, you can say what you want about the defense, because it's not good. <laughs> like it's, they, they can get to passable, but it's, it's been, there have been games where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And that's, by the way, that's where your Pacers are going to take this is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. I'm sorry. That's yeah. not a Look hot take or anything, we'll but, <laughs> but I mean, I, it, it really is. And like on the, on the flip side of that, they are just the spacing of this team. That's why I, I, when I say like, they are such a unique team, I think the spacing of it and the shot creativity where no matter who it ends up in, in aside from like a Joe Harris or, you know, and even Joe Harris can do a little bit if you run them off the line. Um, you know, this team, it's like, not only can they shoot a 
very nice percentage from three. But if you run them off the line or you're challenging them one-on-one, they can do a little bit more. It's just, it's such a fascinating group. And I've, I've enjoyed it personally. I mean, you know, it's good basketball, but moreover, it's just, it's different. I, I haven't seen anything like it. Matt, I have to tell you something um, about Joe Harris. Pacers fans don't know it yet, but they hate mm. Joe Harris. You know why? Because, <laughs> because he just got $75 million and Doug McDermott's free agency is coming in five oh, months. No. And he has been <laughs> an amazing offensive player this year and is an incredible shooter. And now the bar is set and McDermott's going to walk in and say, hey, see Joe Harris? Uh, I want that. <laughs> the Pacers, who are over the cap, will have to give it to him or... He will leave, and they have to blame <laughs> Joe Harris for that. So that is the first time I've articulated that on this podcast. If you're well, we dealt with that with uh, with Jared Allen and Clint Capella, who yeah, looked good yeah. this year. Um, so yeah, so awesome. I, I get so that. is Jared yeah. Allen. They both yes, he's look he's look very good. He looks very happy in Cleveland, which is good. Um, yeah, no, Doug's amazing, and uh, I it's cool. I I like seeing guys make money for specific skills and right, be super good at them. It's just I think that's fun. It's an interesting like growth arc that I like is you have some guys that are like, I'm going to try to get better, a little bit better at everything every year. Yeah. And then you have the other guys who are like, I'm going to get amazing at this, like this thing. You know, TJ McConnell is going to pass guys open and McDermott's going to shoot. They have a lot of guys on there that are special. Well, it phases out empty calories, guys, in a lot of ways. Yeah, like if it's it just like, I just feel like, it, again, it, this is another like weird, it sounds very, uh, I don't know, like elitist basketball, but like. I do think we've gotten better at certain things with this, where we kind of understand certain aspects of the game where we're like, we're reading things a little bit differently. And it's like, oh, this is really cool that, you know, a, a, whatever, a Doug McDermott can get paid a certain amount of money because he's really good at the things that he does. He's right. really good. So. All right. I got to do this. And I know you probably have had this conversation many times and you hate it. And every Nets podcast <laughs> discussion, you know, where I'm going already. Every Nets thing is the same. Well, their offense is going to be awesome, but, but can they play defense? Can they play defense? Okay, first of all, whatever. Like, I think they're going to have some good <laughs> offense, but it just is not going to matter. Second of all, Durant's a really good defender when he tries, and Harden's a good defender when he tries. So yep. I'm not as concerned about their defense. But that said, they are 27th in defensive rating. They do have some guys that don't really try in the regular season, like to be honest. And some of their bench guys are not good defensive players. And DeAndre Jordan doesn't run. So they have, <laughs> they have no offense to DeAndre Jordan. He's a great, no, no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, great guy. Good statue. <laughs> um, yeah. He's got some issues. It, are you at all concerned in this particular game with the Pacers? I'm not talking playoffs. I think they'll crank it up at that point in this particular game or throughout the regular season that their defense can cost them. Like against the Cavs, it did sex and tore them up. Yep. Like, can, can that be a problem that persists often and including against the Pacers? You know, I wish they had Karis LeVert playing because I think this would oh, be a big too. Karis game. No. I, I really do because it, I'll guys, get to him think, later. Uh, he, I mean, we, we, I have plenty of good things to say, especially against this Nets team. I actually think that'd be a great matchup. Um, anybody that can get the Nets in rotation, that's where it seems like things go wrong. So you look at what Sexton did, where he gets downhill and he's just keeping them on their toes. He's, you know, he's just, he's getting the ball moving, he's getting things humming. Um, I think those are the moments where they struggle a lot because it depends who's picking up these, you know, smaller guards. Kyrie, when engaged, is a good defender. He actually, against the Clippers, after he got pushed around by Kawhi for the first couple of, it felt like the first half, he had a couple of good possessions by the end. They kind of figured out, hey, we should probably switch this guy out of this mat, out of these matchups with Kawhi. Um, 
even so, I felt like he, you know, he competes. He competed with Boston on on Christmas Day, um, which I might have been the only person to watch that full game through because that was like a 30 point blowout. Um, but, you know, I mean, in terms of what the Pacers are working with, they just need to make sure that like for Brogdon, you need to push downhill. You need to keep the pressure on them because otherwise they're going to switch everything at the top of the key and kind of surrounding and just say, sure, if you guys want to chuck up threes, great. We're going to do the same game and we're going to win the shootout because we're an elite three point shooting team with, you know, assumptively uh, Kyrie and, and Harden. So that yeah. that's what I would say for this matchup in particular. Yeah, I, the Pacers lead the league in rim attempts, so I do believe in their in their philosophy against the Nets specifically. Like they they want have those to tailed off since since you guys got rid of um, Oladipo. That is that kind of remain the the same. Yeah, it's been basically exactly the same. Honestly, Oladipo was was like the fourth option by his end of of his run here with this team anyway. So nice. Uh, not that he wasn't driving a lot, but his stats more pull up this year, right? Yes, definitely more pull up this year. Couldn't, nice. couldn't finish through contact as much. Yeah, Nets fans probably were really intimate with him. Actually, they, didn't the Nets want him for a little bit or like kind of whatever? I, yeah, whatever. I don't know. We're the, the Nets over. were <laughs> the Nets were rumored to like every. There was like a Zach Levine period where I was like, that's <laughs> kind of weird. I don't really get that one. <laughs> I like Zach. By the way, Zach Levine's like great this year. So best I mean. part of covering a small market team is I don't have to deal with that crap all the time. That would drive. It's me. so frustrating. Easier, it's, there was a Derek Rose rumor this week. I was like, why? Like honestly, <laughs> one person explained this to me. <laughs> Why would the Nets trade for characters and what are they giving up? Yeah. They don't have anything left. Last break here so we can talk about BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college basketball, NHL, NBA in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV if you want to get in. Try to get Sabonis on any awards or Brogdon or whoever you like on the Pacers for awards. You can go do it on betonline.ag. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website, betonline.ag. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, betonline.ag. That code is LOCKEDON. Your online sportsbook experts. So... (laughs) I do think the Pacers will try to drive. Uh, They've struggled with it recently. Like they, they try to drive so much that they just played the jazz and they were going at Rudy Gobert and they lost. They scored 95 points. So like, yeah, maybe it's noble to stick to your philosophies, but there's a point against DeAndre Jordan is by the way. Exactly. I was going to (laughs) get definition of insanity is trying to score Rudy Gobert over and over. However, one, yes, if they can get the nets in rotation by driving, they'll definitely try Two. This is something we definitely saw last year, despite Kyrie only playing once, is DeAndre Jordan guarding Sabonis was uh, kind of hilarious. And th- this goes back to my statue DJ stuff. I don't mean to pick on DeAndre. You know, he get, he gets the butt because of his relationship with the players on the team, not, not necessarily his play all the time. But Sabonis destroyed him twice last year. Like, let's be honest. So I am looking forward to the Pacers probably going to that a lot. Sabonis' usage has been huge this year, so I don't hope they don't overdo it. It's kind of been problem, not problematic, that's too extreme, but maybe a little too much Sabonis of late, but I think that's going to be a way the Pacers try to manufacture a lot of points is get it to him, get cutters in the lane. Like Miles Turner is an amazing cutter this year, which is the weirdest thing. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they they try to use Sabonis against DJ and backup center, I believe, is Jeff Green right now. I don't really know how that's working out. Um but it should be Nick Claxton. Can Nick Claxton play yet? Or is he still? No, running? no. He's so he's what like three. I think we got an update today. He's oh, like Norville Pell's out. on this team now. I forgot. He's the backup. Yeah, so there it is. yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I mean, uh, 
<laughs> I'm uh, honestly like these are names. I, I mean, they're names. It's <laughs> it's Norvell Pell, Noah Vonley. I actually want Noah Vonley to play tomorrow. Like I want him to strap Ooh. him on. I don't even know if he's in Brooklyn right now. <laughs> I want him to play already because yeah, it's 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 ugly that way. I think yeah. probably how it will work without Durant, and it's a shame that Durant's not playing because I had this game circled. I really did. Um, you know, there's there's the game against the Clippers, but I, you know, early on in the season, as I said, watched a, a quite a bit of Pacers basketball. I, you know, I, I first off, I love your guys's beat. Like, I feel like Pacers media has got so many smart people on it. So I think part of that makes all it, five of us. Yeah, no, they. <laughs> I'm sitting like it really like I <laughs> love listening and reading all of you. So that in in a way kind of makes me want to. You know, uh, I get it makes me more aware when when the team's playing well. But um, you know, the team's playing well early on, and I'm aware of it because I'm reading and listening to you guys. And um, and I, I have this circled. Now we have this situation with COVID. It's kind of a shame that Katie's not playing because I felt like like you know they the Nets played the Knicks a couple of weeks ago, and they had Katie on Julius Randall. And you're like on paper, you're like I don't know how that's gonna work. Like I mean, obviously it's Katie, but. Randall's just a little bit bigger. Katie takes that personally. He's, you know, he's really playing up on him in the post. And it's kind of a shame that we don't have that. Cause I think what the nets are probably going to do is put DJ on Sabonis, which is let's, let's be honest. It's laughable. (laughs) And then we got Jeff green on miles Turner, I guess, which is just, it's weird. They're not better when they play big. They're better when they play small. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, one would think that that would be a, a good advantage against the Pacers too, because they just lean big all the time. They've been playing Goga with another center recently too. So it would work though. The nets are so small and it's not yeah. like they're, they're, you know, I mean, they can play small, but it, it just, I don't know. It's, it, it's going to be a shootout versus, you know, if you guys can get the stops or the requisite stops really right. to make that happen. So I don't know. I, it, I think it'll be a fun game. I, I actually, I do feel like I'll get a lot of takeaways out of that one. Cause I think it's a good test for both Here, sides. I have a lazy question. I love. I, I didn't prep you for this. No, it's good. Sands Sabonis. What yeah. matchup do you think the Nets should be the most scared of in this game? Um. Ooh, good question. See, I should prep people. I always do this question. No, 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 no. I'm gonna do it. You know, I I would say. Um, oh God, it's a good question. Because <laughs> like I would have easy answers if Karis or Warren were playing. Either one, but neither of them are playing. So we'll yeah, that's a good question. Um, man, I see the easy answer is to say miles because of trailer situations yeah. where the nets just don't match up in transition. So, you know, miles Turner is going to have however many trailer threes. <laughs> like it's just, it's been a problem since I feel like we've had this new era of nets basketball. So that's the easy answer. Actually, I could see Brogdon too. We just, yeah. uh, the nets have no point of attack defense. It's terrible. It's, it hasn't been good all year. <laughs> like, and especially in a game like this, where I don't, I don't expect anybody to come out there with, you know, the, the, the requisite fire per se, because, you know, they just, they haven't, they haven't brought it. I'm sorry until they come out there and they show a certain level of pride and just gravitas against every single team. I'm just going to assume they're not going to come out with that, which is not good by the way. I, I, for me personally, I've been a basketball fan for however many years and you just sort of know when a team is a certain way and it's, it's early. I'm like, I get what you guys are. You guys are the national TV team. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It sucks in a lot of ways, but I, I do kind of feel like that's how they are. So, um, you know, unless it's like a, a matchup that I have circled on the schedule, I just, I don't know. I could see that being an issue and, you know, 
God bless Kyrie and Harden. They just, there's certain games where they don't show up defensively. And that's just the reality of the situation until, until really that, that changes. So I don't know. I, I, I would assume anything point of attack. I, I could see that being pretty advantageous for you guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Brogdon's an interesting one. Like he has kind of struggled since the depot trade. I don't know necessarily how much correlation there is there because the things he struggled at shouldn't necessarily be related things, but basketball's like all related. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't rule out like the the combination of depot being gone and his struggles. Yep. And teams are going under on him now more and it, it's hurting him. But like you said, point of attack defense is weak. He's got the ball a lot. That's a that's one. Miles, yeah, trail drilled two trail threes against the Jazz. Sabonis is diming him up on trails, which is the tallest matchup of a of a ball that's handler and trail three guy of all time. Yeah, that's very cruel. That's going to work, by the way. Turner needs to if Turner adds a shot fake uh, against the Nets, I think he could have a good game. I, I I'm looking hard at him, but yeah, the guy I I picked out in my head was Jeremy Lamb because he yeah, always draws a pretty weak defender matchup ever since he's come back as a starter. I think that's why they're keeping him in the starting lineup, even though he might help the bench a little more. Uh, so he's going to draw probably TLC, but we'll see who the Nets actually started. They change it up a lot, and they're on a back-to-back. Yeah. So yeah, Jeremy Lamb I like for this one. He's played really well since return, like abnormally well for a guy who tore his ACL last year. So he's a guy I think could have a good game, and then the bench matchup is interesting, and that's where I wanted to go. To ask you next, <laughs> it, don't laugh. I have to ask. I don't know who's on the bench anymore. I feel like it's changed like 19 <laughs> times in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I guess Vonley changes this. But yeah, the, the last game the Nets uh, played, it was Shamit who played well despite having yep. a, a very down year so far. And yep. I love Landry Shamit. He Me worked too. out for the Pacers, and I was like, they should draft this guy. He would be good. Uh, Tyler Johnson, who has tried to be a net and then wasn't a net and then is a net and then wasn't a net and then is a net many times in his career. Bruce Brown, Norvell Pell, and Chris Gioza for a few minutes. That's the count. Vonley's going to sneak in there most likely by Wednesday. We'll see. That's not like a great group. Not a lot of front court there. So this is a three-star team. This is kind of how it usually goes. But how has the second unit for the Nets been so far? And will it get better as the season goes on? You really, this is where you fill the KD thing because it's, you actually, you have more of those units where, and I actually, I, I think having Kyrie back will help with this, assuming that he plays, which I don't know. They're doing, they're dealing with this uh, thumb injury thing, which I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like. So, um, so I, I think that's where you feel it is these lineups where it's kind of Landry Shamit, who's the ball handler because Tyler Johnson, I mean, it's it, sadly, it's like many teams in the league right now are kind of dealing with this where you have a couple guys that play really well in the bubble and we get out of the bubble and they don't contribute as much for whatever reason. And I think there's a, a myriad of ways to explain that. They have been dealing with that with TLC. They've been dealing with that with Tyler Johnson. And right now, you can tell they are just kind of throwing guys in there, trying to figure this out. I compared it to the first year of the big three Miami Heat. And I think that's probably going to be my most apt comparison for all this because, as you said, this is usually how it works, especially early on. You're not right. really going to have guys latch on. You know, you're not going to have guys say, oh, a contender, I'm going to go get <laughs> a free ring. You know, like right. they just made this trade. So you're kind of dealing with that this year. You're working with these guys. I, I think for me, it, it, in a week where you know Kevin Durant's not playing, that sucks. But the fun part is, is that we do get a feel a little bit more for some of these guys that are at the end of the bench. 
you know, whether it's, it's Shumpert playing, which it's, he's already hurt. So I don't think he'll play for this game, but maybe he will, um, you know, and other guys like that, Tyler Johnson, maybe he gets his legs under him. I think that'll be really fun from a net side of things. I'll tell you right now, it's not going to be an advantage, you know, because <laughs> they, they haven't played together. Right. I mean, if, if we learn one thing from this year, it's like, not only are we having weird rotations where, you know, guys have not really played together because guys are getting signed day by day, or just guys are getting chances week to week, but they never had a training kit. So, you know, basic scheme, things like that, that the entire team would have worked through. They haven't done that this year. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing, but it's still always exciting. Like the, the shiny new, the shiny new toy is always going to be appealing. I think with basketball, no matter what setting you're in. Yeah. I think they'll get the bench guys. Like you go to the Heatles era, they get like Mike Miller later on and better backup point guards and stuff. Yep. My mic just tipped over while I'm talking. That's exciting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll come. It's not there yet. It'll come. The buyout's going to happen this year at some point. I don't know who it's going to be, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the bench groups. TJ McConnell always shows up against good teams. He'll run around like a moron for not in a bad way. Like he just runs. Like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I shouldn't have said moron. That's going to sound negative to people. No, 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 no. Like You're a good. Maniac on the basketball court the entire time. And it's going to go very well. And he's going to have 15 assists in 20 minutes and that'll go well. But yeah, if some, if some, if anyone on the Nets shoots, well, I'm getting, I'm getting to the end here. If anyone on the Nets bench shoots, well, I think the Nets win this game because the Pacers have really struggled with elite creators this year. Uh, the, the, their ball pressure system in theory should work. Um, but the, their rotations haven't been great. They, they actually cleaned that up a little bit against the jazz in their most recent game Sunday. So maybe that'll stick. Uh, but with two elite creators, that might be a little harder. And the Nets are fourth in three-point shooting and first in two-point shooting percentage this year, which is crazy, first of all. Um, but their rotations have to be perfect. They need a little luck. And if they don't get the luck, by, and by that I mean one bench player shoots well, they'll, they'll just lose. Like That's just how it goes. So even if the Nets are on a back-to-back, I still kind of feel like I would favor them in this game. Well, that's the thing is that they're just taking so many threes is that they could kind of bank on that. Like yeah. they're not playing. I've, I, it's weird. Like certain years you watch, you know, I mean, I like take for last year, for example, like they'd play a back to back and the, the second half, they'd just be dead. Like their legs would just be dead. Cause they're playing such a downhill style this year. It's all jump shooting. Like they're a jump shooting team this year when they have their stars. And especially where it's like, you know, we got KD who's going to come off a pin down and, and, you know, and hit a couple mid-range shots and then leak out in transition. And then Kyrie, who's going to, you know, I mean, he's going to basically, you're going to run whatever, a, a guard wing pick and roll. He's going to pick out his matchup and go from there. Like th- these guys are not necessarily, you know, hammering to the basket over and over. It's, it's weird how they've been able to kind of survive that way. And like the minutes look really bad with the nets right now. And I think to a degree, they need to watch out for that but they aren't playing a style where they're careening into the basket and, you know, trying to draw contact. It's a weird, it's a weird season like that. But what are the Pacers? Um, what's the like three point defense like this year? Uh, how can I say awful and like the nicest way? <laughs> so they're, they're like stopping the paint at everything I, at I all costs. I think they're game. last. Hang on. I'm pulling up their own. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. <laughs> yeah, they are uh, 20. Oh, they're up to 27th. A big improvement after that. Nice. Game. Uh, 39.2% allowance from three. And a lot of that is, again, so I might go back to earlier. They they really pressure the ball. And, like, it's noble. It's smart. I think, you know, the, Nate Bjorkren's copying this from his Raptors days. And I think when you get it down as a full team, right, they, again, they figured it out a little bit against the Jazz. Like, once the creator gives up the ball, you got to be scrimming to the right yep. side. 
you can't have two guys go. It's got to be one on the commit. You got to scram into the shooter. It can work. It did work against the Jazz. That's why they're up to 27th. <laughs> um, yep. But, yeah, it, it's hard. It's really hard, right? Yep. You got to be sprinting and paying attention and communicating. And one simple slip up means there's going to be an open three somewhere. So it, it's kind of good. <laughs> they're forcing a lot of turnovers. They're top 10 in that. Yep. Same result of the defensive scheme. And Turner has been really good. Like when those guys who are really scrimming the ball get beat at cleaning it up. But as a result of that, they do give up quite a lot of threes, a lot of open threes. Uh, so they don't, they don't give up a lot of total threes, but they give up a lot of open threes. And that's why mm. the percentage is so bad. So against two elite creators, I kind of worry that there's going to be like Joe Harris is probably going to have a fantastic game. Hey, that's the one you can't leave open to. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to say, it's well, like, funny. what's their other option? What, what, you know, they can't like, you know, they, they can't not to at a, at a point you're just like, Oh, we just yeah. let James Harden walk it up the court. Right? Like, you know, at some point you kind of got to stop the ball. So I don't know. It's going to be hard. It, it, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I talked about this preseason uh, with, with Caitlin Cooper about the rap about, yes, my, one of my favorites. I, she's an absolute basketball genius. Yeah. And uh, we were talking a lot about, I was just I was fascinated with some of her work that she did in the off season uh, about the Raptor stuff. And I just was like, I don't know who, like there are certain roles that I think we get, we get very excited about the system and I think, and we, we were kind of on the same page about it. And I, you know, we were just sort of talking about like it, you can run a system, but you have to have that system tailored to the players that you have. And I just don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. You know, you have to have that Siakam, you have to have that OG Ananobi. And those guys are so hard to come by. Marcus all. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. a guy that's going to communicate like that. And I just think that's really hard. And I think against a Nets team where they're going to pick that out. You know, if, if you're great, you can, if you want to trap the ball against Harden, that's fine. Because even if you have Harden, TLC, Shamit, Joe Harris, the ball is going to rotate. It's going to find its way around. It's eventually going to find it into at least a capable three-point shooter's hands. And maybe if that's what you want, if you're the Pacers, great. But they have had, that's the, the if there's anything they've done a really good job with this year, it's that. it's a, it, They just are able to find a, a shooter's hands. They haven't necessarily been flummoxed by that. So, and I think a lot of that just comes down from they're playing with three stars that know what they're doing. And I, 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 that's, I think that'll be a big thing to watch for in this game. Uh, are you predicting Nets win as well? Before I pivot to the last thing that's not related to this game at all. I wish I wasn't. Um, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's weird. Like this Nets team, they, you know, it, I, I do feel like the loss of, of Oladipo and, and Karras is like, it's not bigger than missing Durant. So I don't want to say that because that seems silly, but I do think like that element of it is, is something I'm almost more disappointed about because I've watched the Nets play without Durant and they've done a feasibly good job like just having those two stars run the show and two guys that can handle the ball gets a little bit suspect around the edges. But I think just that element of the the Pacers, at least what I was watching early on, and this could be totally wrong. Um, I, I do think it's kind of a shame. So I think the Nets are going to win. I actually expect to be pretty close throughout. Uh, the Pacers need to win. So maybe they'll be going as hard as they That's can. That's fun too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, the th- I think the only time since I've been covering this team that they've lost four in a row, is right after Vic got hurt, like devastatingly hurt. So we'll see if they can pick it up. They need this game. I mean, they, they have a pretty easy stretch after this game, but being under 500 would be very weird. Anyway, you knew it was coming. The trade happened. 
and the Pacers jumped in, and I did not expect that. But uh, Victor Oladipo to the Rockets, Karis Levert to the Pacers, and po- possibly the coolest story ever, like that they that this MRI happens because of this trade and gets to get the cancer off his kidney, potentially save his life, doesn't need any more treatment, expect him to make a full recovery. Incredible stuff. Yep. Watched a lot of Karis uh, this year with the Nets. And first of all, the funny thing I want to tell you that just happened is, while I have the Nets basketball reference page, if I was sorting by usage to kind of rate the bananas of the three stars, and Karis is number one in usage on the Nets this year because mm-hmm. it's still above Durant. But anyway, that high usage made him have a ton of opportunities to play make and be Karis. And the first thing I saw is passing looks a little better. I think his Ross's numbers are a bit misleading because he, again, had that huge usage. But two, he loves that floater. He's cash at that floater. But what am I missing? What is what is the thing about Karis Levert that people are uh, who uh, Pacers fans are going to love about him when he plays? Because I think they know he's going to be a good offensive player, but I don't think they know the whole package of Karis Levert. I think the fun part about Karis Levert, and this is the part that you can clip out and and you know if you, I don't know if you do that <laughs> if you click fade it, but if you wanted to, if you wanted to clip you know uh, clip this out, is that I don't necessarily like how they were grooming him not because I don't think that he'd be a great energy six man type of guy where he comes in and he takes, you know, the usage is high and he's taken what seven, six, seven dribbles to score um, a little bit of a slower decision maker, but I don't feel like it was a challenge for him in a lot of ways. So when he got traded, you know, to Indiana, eventually I was really excited for him in that way because I looked at this opportunity and I said, this is a team that likes to move the ball. They like to play with pace. I think that's a really good challenge for him because I don't, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you hit a certain age, when you're playing basketball, maybe certain things get habitual. You can change that. We obviously look at that with Harden this year, for example, but I think for Karis, like he's groomed to kind of play this, you know, explosive off the bench guy. That's what he was looking like this year. I'm actually really excited to watch him play with Indiana, play with a little bit of pace, play with a guy like, like Sabonis, who's going to get him these easy looks, maybe get him to cut a little bit. He's such an explosive around the rim player. He's got these just gorgeous finishes. I mean, his change of pace game. Yes. We see that with him with the ball, but can you imagine on a back cut? doesn't have the ball in his hands. He can be just as shifty. He can fake one way. Like he's going up for a three or a handoff cut back door make a crazy finish at the rim. I think for me, that's really exciting. And I, a lot of times when I'm watching guys, Karis isn't necessarily younger, but he hasn't, he's missed so much time. He does feel at points like a younger player. Um, I'm really excited about the development aspect of it. And I think the big way that you get development is you get different situations, you get different seasoning. And I think for him, it's just such a good opportunity. And I, again, I'm just, I, it, it was a weird feeling when he got sent to Indiana because it was a, a, there's the whole, the health aspect of it, but B, I know when he gets on the floor, it's a really good opportunity for him. And I think for Pacers fans, I would expect, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to struggle necessarily, but I think there will be some growth. And I think you should be excited about that because we know what he is as a baseline. And that's a guy that can explode off the bench and make, you know, big plays and, and, and carry a, a heavy usage and do a, a good job of that. But I think that the opportunity to grow and his attitude to growing is what I would get really excited about because he's an amazing, amazing person. And I think there's something there that I don't know if has necessarily been unearthed. And I don't think it was going to be unearthed in Brooklyn. Yeah. Just from his introductory press conference, I can tell you he's a great dude. And 
even if he does struggle, he's going to be eons better than Aaron Holiday's been this season. So Pacers fans <laughs> sure will immediately latch on to his, his <laughs> Hey, bad Karis LeVert is still a baseline, very good player. Yeah. Like it's not like he's like, un, like unwatchable. Like he, he'll have, he can go four for 12, the four basket that he makes you'll, it'll be on your team's social media accounts. Like it's not <laughs> like he's a bad player. He's a ridiculously fun player to watch. And I think for that reason, I'm excited, but at the same time, it's again, that, that aspect of growth that I just, I don't know. It's just, it's fun to get excited about that stuff. And right. I think if you're a fan of that sort of thing, and even from the outside looking in like myself, I don't know, that's something I'm going to be watching for the next couple of years. Something dumb I'm, I'm excited for is there's like a one in 50 chance any game that TJ Warren's going to score like 40, 45 points. And there's a one in 50 <laughs> chance every game that Karis LeVert is going to score like 40 or 45 points, which means if they play 250 games together, oh, shoot, that's 2,500. Well, I need them to play 2,500 <laughs> games together. So I can see the one game where TJ Warren and Karis LeVert both score 40 points because the Pacers will just be unguardable that game. Will be <laughs> yeah, it's just bucket getters. It's kind yeah, of funny. Yeah. It's it funny. Be- it's it's not what you associate with the Pacers, you know, for no. years and years. But I love it. I love it. I am really looking forward to it. Matt is on Twitter, everybody, at Matt Brooks NBA. But I will let him plug his own stuff uh, before you get out of here, Matt. Yeah, it's all it's all on Twitter. Matt Brooks MBA, um, you know, written video, uh, podcast, any, anything. It's just all on Twitter. I'm I'm <laughs> I would say I'm I'm a nine out of ten in terms of posting things on there. So nice. take that, nice. take that, take that and run with it. I'll take notes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even close to an idea. I'm getting there. We'll see. <laughs> Matt, thank you for the time. Thank you for talking. Ads. This is gonna be a fun one. I'm excited.